Hello and welcome to Parently, where we tap into the unique experiences and perspectives of parents to celebrate the joys and honor the challenges of child rearing. With new interviews each week, this is a podcast for moms and dads seeking an empowering community and a little levity. Now here's your host, Kelsey Higgins. disclaimer. Due to the alarming nature of today's topic, I highly discourage listening around children. Additionally, please consider skipping today's episode if conversations regarding child exploitation will significantly impact your emotional or mental well-being. Typically, the episodes carry a note of levity, though today will likely be a bit different. I have invited Vince DeFabo on today to discuss a difficult topic, but one that is imperative to be knowledgeable on as a parent in today's society. So Vince, welcome to the show. Uh, Thanks for having me. And um, I am a lawyer, so I'd like to add my own disclaimer, if that's okay with you. Please do. Uh, And that's that since I am a lawyer, this isn't official legal advice. Uh, This is just for informational purposes only. To get legal advice, you should uh, check your own state and local laws and uh, hire your own personal attorney to uh, make sure that you're getting the most up-to-date and the most professional legal advice. So this is more just a general informational legal purposes. Thank you very much. Let's talk a little bit about your career then. What what has uh, been your experience in this difficult topic from a career standpoint? And more or less, why do you have uh, opinions and knowledge to share on this conversation? Yeah, that sounds good. So I... Just a quick background about myself um, that brought me to this topic. I am a lawyer. I graduated from American University. And then after that, I joined the military and uh, became a JAG. And uh, during that, I have um, six years of experience doing uh, what we call military justice, which is court martials. So prosecution, both on prosecution and defense. And then um, I recently also have gotten my advanced law degree in cyber law, and that's LLM. So I have a sort of educational and practical experience in this background. Um, I'm sure we'll get into it a little bit more too, but I've dealt with cases um, involving uh, what we call child pornography. Uh, We frequently refer to it as CP. Uh, During this interview, I might call it CP a few times. I'll try and not use the acronym as much. I'll try and call it child pornography, but it usually, um, that's how we talk about it in um, common speak. Hmm. Is that because it's just quicker to reference that way? Or is there something about saying the full child pornography that feels more jarring in, in an office? Yeah, I think it's that. It's it's more jarring to feel, uh, to say the full phrase. There's certainly legal terms that we use, abbreviated speak, uh, just to get to the point quicker. Um, but I think this also um, sometimes will 
talk about work or even like out to lunch and like, Hey, what are you like? I'll, I'll see a, a fellow Jack friend. Like, Hey, what are you working on? They're like, I got a tough CP case. I'm like, Oh, gotcha. Knowing not to talk, talk about that topic anymore during lunch. Mm, sure. Yeah, that makes sense. Let's just start with some questions. Uh, I think one that garners attention occasionally, and we see different news articles pop up, uh, opinion columns, etc., is about parents sharing pictures of their children online. Is that something that you would caution parents about and based off your experience, why? Uh, yes. And I think just in general, it's a good idea. It's, it's good to just be knowledgeable about the subject. Uh, it's okay to take risks at certain points in posting images of your children, but I think it's best to do that knowing the entire world we operate in. And it's a much bigger world on the, uh, including the World Wide Web and um, the individuals and the type of people who are out there is probably a universe that many people aren't familiar with and that I wasn't familiar with until recently. Mm. I can get into it a little bit more here too, but um, I think one of the biggest do not evers is uh, never uh, post a picture of uh, your child um, naked. And I would also say that that includes uh, the, the two big categories are um, like beach pictures and bathtub pictures. Uh, usually it's something, uh, it's a cute memory. Uh, someone's having bath, uh, bath time with their cousins or someone's having um, a, a kids at the beach and they get sand in their diaper and they take off the diaper and then they're running around the beach. And it's in your, in your, from your perspective, um, it's, a, it's a cute picture. Mm -hmm. But from a predator standpoint, that is um, an image that they can use for their own personal uh, purposes. Um, I can get into it a little bit more too here, but there's individuals who collect those images like uh, other people would collect comic books or recipes, and they have entire libraries and catalogs of images just um, sort of filed and stored away. Um, there's a a case that I worked with where there's an individual who even knew that we were sort of on to him and he had taken evasive measures and it was shocking that he hadn't wiped his hard drives because you would just assume that somebody who knew that was sort of on to them onto him he would have known to wipe his hard drives of those um, really horrific images but he was so into his collection that uh, he did not do so mm, that's terrifying what are your thoughts on those cute pictures with, you know, occasionally I see um, those posted with a smiley face over, you know, private parts or a rubber ducky or something like that. Does that have any kind of impact? Yeah, I mean, any image that you're putting out of your child um, can uh, potentially be exploited. Um, there's certain things you can do to safeguard yourself. Uh, but uh, that doesn't necessarily mean that that image won't be uh, shared um, multiple times. Um, I, I wasn't aware of this community and the way that this works, but um, there are online communities that uh, share these images via peer-to-peer. Uh, -peer. And uh, one of the horrifying natures of these images is that they pop up again and again and again. 
So once your child's image has been sort of brought into that community, it's in that community forever. Um, it, it, one of the really disastrous thing, uh, horrible things about this is that these children can offer victim impact statements um, for to use during sentencing, and because uh, they they found that otherwise they would be calling these children um, tens, if not hundreds, of times a year to say if they wanted to have a victim impact statement. Um, so once your child's image is out there and in part of one of these um, uh, like just horrible communities, um, it's, it's there forever. So I would sort of, there's no, there's no closure or resolution, even as predators are detained and sentenced. Correct. Correct. I mean, there is some semblance of that. Um, victims have the right to be notified if they want to, most choose not to, which I understand why. Um, and you can, know that like the sentences that these guys are getting but it's it, it, it's a it, it's a crime that um you're constantly being re-victimized um I, i'm sure that there's unfortunately been some uh either some of your listeners who either know personally or or um uh either through friends or family of like the the concept of like revenge porn of somebody posting uh pornographic images of them on the internet and just the, how, how it's a constant re uh, victimization concept where those those images are out there forever. Mm-hmm. Oh, one interesting thing, and I'm sure I heard you say guys, I'm sure there's stats uh, out there on this, but in your experience, has it primarily been men who are predators? Yes. Um, I think the only time that I've ever heard of a female, there's female involvement but it, um, the only time I heard of it um, or came across it was somebody who was part of a exploitation ring in which uh, the, the female was being an enabler and in uh, helping to identify um, children at, um, who could be uh, exploited. And the pictures were actually being taken by a male individual. But um, the, uh, the, I'd say I don't know if I've come across a particular case in which sort of the end user, uh, the person who's actually viewing these images is um, ever a female. Um, I'm sure there are cases and situations where they are there are females who engage in this behavior. We talked a little bit about posting pictures of your child uh, online and, and what potentially could happen with those images. Are there platforms that are safer than other platforms meaning if i post uh you know share images of my child on facebook does that run a different risk than posting images of my child on my website versus posting images of my child on a shared drive yes um absolutely there, there are, um, anytime you, you have an image of your child or any image for that matter, there's always the potential that you you could get hacked and those images could get lifted, um, especially if it's in a, um, a cloud um, or, or on, on a, uh, a social media. Um, that This is probably an oversimplification, but essentially cloud sharing is basically somebody else's computer and social media, you're, you're, you're keeping 
those images on um, somebody else's servers. Um, that yeah. said, there are companies that do a better job than others. And then even within companies, you can increase your own um, ability to protect images. Um, so I, in, in that regard, I would say that if you're going to like, for example, Facebook, you can increase your privacy settings, which aren't the default settings. I would okay. encourage, I would encourage that for anybody anyway, um, to make sure that your images aren't being shared with the, with everyone. Um, but, uh, you can increase your privacy settings. Um, I would also say that there is, uh, you know, I think some of it's maybe obvious, like if you're posting on Instagram, uh, that's going to be a platform that's going to be um, more easily accessed than others. However, I would caution that um, one of the things that I think uh, is a false sense of security that I, I do think that people should be aware of is that um, places like Snapchat and um, certain features on Instagram aren't completely safe. Um, they are certainly safer. So the general user isn't going to be able to access uh, the, like, in, you know, a snap or the, um, the, the, the story feature in Instagram. Mm -hmm. However, um, Snapchat in particular was, uh, recent, uh, was recently the subject of an FTC complaint in which they uh, had given out um, a false sense of security in how their data was managed, um, specifically it, that they weren't really uh, having unencrypted versions of their snaps that they weren't, the users weren't actually um, being notified if screenshots were taken of those images. And they also um, were not were misrepresenting how much data they were collecting on, on individuals. So mm -hmm. th those platforms are certainly not as safe as, uh, as they might first appear. Um, I don't know if a whole lot of people are sharing images of their children on YouTube. Um, but if you are sharing videos via, via YouTube, uh, I think this also sort of goes to uh, the story goes to the example of like how hard it is to actually get those images erased. Um, there is a individual, uh, you might have heard of her, Allison Parker. She was a 24 year old reporter who was shot on camera. And her father has basically made it his lifelong mission to try and remove videos from YouTube of her. Now, we're not even talking about like videos on the dark web or on um, other illicit file sharing, just like YouTube, which is a normal website. Mm -hmm. And he's had um, a tremendous uphill battle because uh, YouTube is slow to remove those videos. And then basically if those videos are shared, then people are you know finding ways to save them onto their computers and personal devices. And so he, he, he's, he's constantly being re-victimized because uh, the, the death of his daughter is constantly being rebroadcast. Um, mm -hmm. And so the, and, the, and that's the crazy thing is these are like the good, quote unquote, good companies. Right. The, uh, the, the illicit companies, obviously, like they're not, they're not even close to making these types of representations. Um, I would say that um, a lot of, People, um, if you send anything, um, like if you send it encrypted, generally that's a safer way to send anything in general, including images of your kid. And then also Apple generally has a pretty good track record of uh, privacy and security 
I think that's part of their business model. It's not necessarily anything um, tied to the law, which is also sort of the scary part of a lot of this privacy and file sharing is that a lot of this information and images um, is, is just companies deciding on their own to sort of have sort of a heightened concern, but there isn't necessarily uh, the legal structure in place um, that there probably should be to uh, mm. pr- protect um, the sharing of your children's images. We'll be back after a short break. Today's episode is sponsored by Strip. After several months of maternity leave, I am back to work which means I'm also back to wearing makeup. Well, I do enjoy wearing makeup. I have never enjoyed the process of removing it at the end of the day. Until now, I've been using a new product I love called Strip. It does more than just remove your makeup, though it does do that well. It is skincare that truly nourishes your face with nutrients and vitamins, leaving behind noticeably healthier looking skin. It's made up of clean ingredients and it doesn't have a zillion steps that, frankly, I just don't have time for. I've even shared it with family and friends and we all agree it leaves your skin feeling so soft and looking replenished. My favorite product is the Caviar Jelly Remover. It removes my makeup while hydrating with these fun bursting nutrient bubbles. Support your favorite podcast with an awesome product. Check out Strip and use my discount by visiting stripyourmakeup.com forward slash parently. Strip your makeup, not your skin. Now back to Parently with your host, Kelsey Higgins. Are you familiar with the what's going on with TikTok right now? And I'm not necessarily talking about the Trump banning it, but there was concern recently in the news with how TikTok was gathering information. Yes. So um, there is information that's always collected on every single individual user of your social media platforms. Um, What we talk about in terms of cyber law and, and, and cyber community is that if you don't know what the product is, then you're the product. So if you're getting a service for free, like a social media service, then you are the product of that service. Um, if, you, if it's a U.S. company, they're generally bundling that and selling it uh, for ad revenue. If mm-hmm. it's, and this is probably, a, once again, an overgeneralization, but if it's a, a Chinese company, um, then they're potentially bundling that information for um, exploitation. Um, either, um, like, it, it's, it's interesting because, like, yeah, company, like, countries like North Korea has been known to, to, to sell private financial information. Um, and, uh, TikTok is a Chinese company, so they haven't been, there isn't, um, publicly available information on them doing that. Um, however, they could, uh, the way that China's national security laws are structured, they could potentially exploit that information and, uh, and just sort of gather it. Um, I think why that matters for a parent, I'm probably trying to bring it back to that is that um, if you are the product of your social media, you're by um, putting your kids' images out there, you're, they're potentially becoming the product and that, and that information can potentially be sold or exploited. Mm, that's really interesting. It, you know, cyber law, how long ago did that even become a field that you could study? 
I'll kick myself because I'll, I'll think of who said this quote as soon as I get off. But there's this quote that um, there's not the study of a horse. So there's likewise, there's no such thing as the study of cyber law. So um, it's you can make the argument that it does, it's, that never really existed. And it's just sort of a maturation of current areas of the law. Um, but I think it, um, it, it it gave rise probably in the 90s um, as the Internet became more popular. Um, it's uh, with the, sort of the erasure of definitely state borders and more and more international borders. Um, it, it became more important to try and study uh, sort of um, how laws, um, how, how uh, the conflict of laws and how law, laws work um, across jurisdictions. And um, there's some like there's some crimes that are as you know as old as time. Um, there's some that are sort of new to the internet age. Sure. Are there so going back just um, to kind of how we kicked off the conversation is there any way for a parent to know that an image of their child has been quote-unquote stolen or is it not until it's discovered within that you know community of predators for example that the parent would be notified and as a follow-up to that is it always possible to notify the original or to trace the original owner of that image? Yeah. Um, those are all good questions. It's, I'll try and take them in order. Um, it's essentially very difficult to try and know if your, if your image or any sort of file has been lifted. Um, it, you can think of all the data breach notification you get about, oh, I didn't realize that I even had my information on Equifax and now I'm getting a, a report that uh, my information was stolen from there. It just, mm -hmm. there, there's a there's a vast amount of information and data that on us that are being um, sort of lifted. And uh, whenever you turn over, whenever you access like any social media site or any sort of um, website, you're, you're basically implicitly uh, consenting to have that image uh, be theirs. Um, so you don't know what the hacking and you don't know what the sharing is going on there. Um, I can give you a, a quick story too of how scary this is. Uh, mm -hmm. So I was um, working a case uh, with one of my um, co-counsels when I was a prosecutor. And um, it, it's, it's, a, it's a horrible thing. It's one of the worst things I've ever had to do in my life is we, you just, you get basically these files and you have to go through and be like, which child pornography image are we in charge? Um, like, is there enough here? Is there enough there? How, does, this, does this child look old enough to charge this image? So we're going through that process and my friend stopped. I'm like, hey, that's, it's not like a picture of a, um, of a kid. What are you, what are you doing? Um, and he said, uh, that's, that's my wife. I'm like, what do you mean that's your wife? And like, we looked at the next few images and this individual had taken screenshots of uh, her public available Facebook page um, and um, basically had saved it onto his computer. Oh, that just makes my stomach drop. Yeah. And thank goodness, like, there wasn't, like, any images of, like, you know, there, there was, she, she had a, she did not have, like, a public page. 
but on her private page, she had a bunch of images of her child. And if she had her Facebook page set up as public, that individual who had, I could tell you, he had a, he had a large quantity of child porno, pornographic images on his computer that would have been part of his collection. Um, mm. As it was, it was just pictures of his wife and um, she was clothed because it, it was her, her public Facebook page. But like it was still like just really gross, um, mm-hmm. really disturbing to, to come across that. So, yeah, I mean, it, it, it made me sort of that's sort of what made me sort of question after that sort of moment. Like how many times is, is this happening um, to individuals and they it, it have just no idea because it was just pure happenstance that um that that the, the prosecutor who was working the case had somebody who lived um several houses uh, away um and had basically cyber stalked uh and got these facebook images and i mean the same thing could potentially be happening unfortunately to your child's images is you, you don't you don't know man like what are the odds that is crazy yeah did that come up? Was that something that, as a prosecutor, he addressed during the trial? So what he ended up doing, just to make sure that he wasn't um, sort of tainted, is he took himself off the case. Um, he helped out a little bit, um, but he's like, he's like, I don't think it's right for me to work this case um, because, you know, I, my, my emotions are too much into it. You don't ever want to be... Um, potentially in, in that position, there's there's almost it's almost honestly better as a prosecutor and or a defense attorney to have a degree of separation sure. from from it. And whenever you feel like that you've been um, part of the, either a victim yourself or someone close to you has been a victim, it's um, it, it's it's up to each individual attorney. But I, I sort of I, I agreed with his decision to sort of take himself off that case. To to that example he it was it was a screenshot of his wife right unless he if it would have been you looking at that image and you would have you know flipped the pages and and continued like is would that wife have ever known that she was a part of that person's collection i don't know if she still knows to this day to be honest um because uh, I, I just left that between him and his uh, wife. Like I, I don't want, like it, it already seemed like I had already entered into a pretty sensitive part of his private life. Like, I mean, and it, once again, it was just a normal picture of her on a sunny day, like outside fully clothed. But like, I'm like, that's, that's a conversation between a husband and a wife. Um, she, but if it was just me, no, like I, I would have honestly flipped through it because um, these individuals, they, I, I can't, I I go back to my previous example, they are collectors and they collect so many images um, that they they possibly can. And uh, this individual had a lot of images of blonde women on his computer, um, Mm -hmm. among among other things, obviously, because that's why we're looking into them. But like they'll just these individuals, like they get fast focused in on sort of one feature characteristics. So yeah, I probably would have been like, Oh no, that, that, that's not why. I mean, this, this isn't what we're looking in, into. This isn't what we're prosecuting. I would have just kept on going. Hmm. Back to kind of my original question. And I, I spit fired a bunch at you. If, is there any way or is there any effort 
to identify where original images came from and to notify the owner of that image? Yeah, only if it's uh, basically deemed for prosecution. So, like I said, this is this is sort of the unfortunate part is there's there's lots of pictures on there that were children who were like probably in their teens who we decided not to charge because that would be harder to prove. Okay. Um, there was there was images of um, partially clothed children that isn't technically a violation of law, but sure as hell creepy and messed up. That we decided never to charge, and so the, those individuals never found out that like that this guy was part of the, their their kids' images were part of the collection. Um, if there is um, there is um, they they do have pretty good forensic software, and they also have pretty good investigators who could piece things together. Uh, there is um, I, I know there was one one uh, investigator who was we were working a case with, and he was able to uh, um, identify the wallpaper. Um, in, in the hotel, and he's like, "Hey, I think you know, I think that that that's this." And then they were able to like sort of get back from there. Wow. There are ways to sort of combat this, uh, you know, in terms of child trafficking and child exploitation, in which you can um, register the hotel that you're in. But if uh, sort of a way to help combat these uh, these creepy guys, um, uh, these criminals, um, is that you there's these you can take images of uh, the hotel that you're in and then it becomes part of law because a lot of times these, these sessions sort of happen at, at hotel rooms. Mm. But um, I guess back, getting back to your original question, um, no, I mean, most of the time it's in, unless, unless your child, unless your child has been um, like a, like a full fledged um, child pornography sexually exploited, it's, it's hard to know. It's hard to ever trace it back. I'm thinking about, kind of about the original when we were talking about the collections right and then the piece that I think about as a parent is you know that my my decision to share something and potentially you know the risk involved in sharing that specific image right it sounds like there are other um risks and other things to be knowledgeable about in regard to child exploitation and and social media. So for example, how, what as a parent should I be aware of in regard to how somebody would potentially exploit my child outside of the realm of just taking a picture that I post? Does that make sense? No, that makes sense. And that's, yeah, I mean, and I, I can see where a lot of your listeners and a lot of individuals are like, well, I always have just like um, proper images of my child, like posted. I always make sure that there's nothing like that a creepy person want to look at. Um, mm-hmm. That right there already is like diminishing your risk a great deal. Um, the other thing I, w- I would say is uh, putting um, information um, about your child online. So um, anytime that you're including um, their name, their date of birth, um, their, their private information, um, there's unfortunately been cases in which, um, you know, you know, adults, the children can be just like adults where they can be, um, they can have their information exploited and it's harder sometimes to catch because, you know, a six-year-old isn't going to apply for a credit card. So when are, when, when mm-hmm. they're going to find that out is 15, 20 years later that their their personal data has been stolen for, 
for uh, for decades. So certainly safeguarding that if you have to um, send your child's um, social security number or, or birth date or anything like that, trying to find it, um, do it via encrypted. I know, I know, or, or just doing it in person. I know that we were recently trying to register one of our children and uh, we, we insisted on sending an encrypted email and they said, well, we don't have that capability. And it, it was a pain, but I, I, I then was like, okay, well, I'm just coming into the office to give you this information then. Um, oh. Took time out of my day and sort of made that decision. Um, there's also the potential too that um, it, it doesn't come up as much, um, but I have seen um, and, and sort of heard, it's more heard than, than seen it. Uh, cases in which uh, your children's um, data can um, be known, like if you sort of trace it back to a residence, then individuals who are um, potentially um, you know, looking to uh, pick up a child could potentially trace that back to your residence. That's more of a, that's probably a lower risk situation, like I said, because I haven't actually personally seen that. I've just more read about that in media reports. Um, but sure. it is it is a possible area of exploitation. Wow, that's really scary. These children, my children, your children, any child is a minor. How does the law balance a, a minor's right to privacy versus a parent's right to share information? Yeah, the, the short answer is not well. Um <laughs> <laughs> we we haven't come up with um there was this uh, general idea whenever the um internet was created in terms of schools of thought that it was it would sort of you know laws and barriers and would be broken and um we just sort of police ourselves type of thing we'll, we'll take care of the creepy people out there and we'll take care of the people who are committing crimes we'll just do it ourselves and this is the wild west again this is the last wild west um uh, that's certainly that school of thought has been reined in a lot, but that's still out there. Um, there's also uh, the, the way the law is structured uh, is um, is not to to that benefit. Um, uh, you might have heard of Section 230 of the Communications and Decency Act. Um, Section 230 basically says that uh, certain platforms like Google, YouTube. Facebook are, are platforms. They're not publishers of information. So they, they can't be uh, personally sued. Um, so if you're a child and your images or your um, information is posted by your parents, um, th there's not a, a whole lot you can potentially do about it um, down the road. Um, there are some um, user uh, policies and guidelines um, YouTube, for example, is trying very hard to um, create policies of um, sharing, of making a, a safe space for children. And same thing with Google. They're, they're working on it, but it's it's their own policy. And uh, if it's your own policy, um, the way to address this, it's like that individual who I, I talked about who had images of his daughter being shot. Um, it, is you file an FTC complaint. So filing an FTC complaint is a hard shot from going to your local courthouse and filing a, a complaint uh, or a violation of privacy action, mm -hmm. uh, which you could potentially do in terms of like, you know, like a peeping Tom type situation or uh, somebody like breaking into your house and selling and stealing your information. 
Um, so FTC complaints are, you know, it's, it's an area of the law where like, you know, it's, so the area isn't ungoverned, but I would say that it's, um, at, at this juncture, as we sit in 2020, um, in August, um, it's not highly governed. Uh, so there's not a lot that can be done besides basically trying keeping these companies to their own, uh, users in terms of agreements, um, down the line, maybe we'll, we'll be talking in five years from now. Um, there's sections, there's talks about reforming Section 230, um, that that might change, but that's not where the law stands today. We'll be back after a short break. Today's episode is sponsored by Strip. After several months of maternity leave, I am back to work, which means I'm also back to wearing makeup. While I do enjoy wearing makeup, I have never enjoyed the process of removing it at the end of the day. Until now, I've been using a new product I love called Strip. It does more than just remove your makeup, though it does do that well. It is skincare that truly nourishes your face with nutrients and vitamins, leaving behind noticeably healthier looking skin. It's made up of clean ingredients and it doesn't have a zillion steps that frankly, I just don't have time for. I've even shared it with family and friends and we all agree it leaves your skin feeling so soft and looking replenished. My favorite product is the Caviar Jelly Remover. It removes my makeup while hydrating with these fun bursting nutrient bubbles. Support your favorite podcast with an awesome product. Check out Strip and use my discount by visiting stripyourmakeup.com forward slash apparently. Strip your makeup, not your skin. Now back to Parently with your host, Kelsey Higgins. What's interesting about this conversation is feels like this is the first time like this generation who are you know becoming parents now or who are young parents is really the first generation to have the opportunity uh, or to have to make decisions about how and and where to share images of their children and I think it's just a really interesting time and it will be interesting to see those who are children now how their experience either having their information shared by their parents or not will affect what they do with their children. No, I completely agree. And it's, yeah, it's, we're in uncharted territory because it's exactly like you said, we don't know. um, I mean, you're getting hundreds, if not thousands of images logged of you um, as a child every single day. And you you could wake up and be like, I wish all of this information wasn't out there about me, which is another consideration that to make whenever you're publishing the information is that you're basically making the decision for your child um, that, that their images are going to be in the world. Um, I, I know when I, so this is a little embarrassing, um, but I, I think it, it, it helps illustrate the point. Um, so my parents decided to commission a painting of me and my siblings, <laughs> Oh my gosh! which uh, it, I, it, I, I feel like that's in like every hysterical comedy. 
where it's like the oil painting on the wall of the family. <laughs> We like we we never wanted to take prom pictures like because it was when we were kids like you know we never wanted to take prom pictures at our at our house because it was really embarrassing to like people show up and be like why is there a painting oil painting of you so this guy was super proud of his painting he did do a nice job at the painting <laughs> but he ended up posting on his website and I was in college and I was just like hanging out in my dorm room and. Oh my god! Like everybody's like laughing, and they're like, "Oh, hey, Defebo, uh, I guess you, you're you're so good looking. You just had to be like pictured in art." And it was like, "Like, what are you talking about? I had no idea this guy put this painting on his website." Oh my gosh! I saw it, and like, it, like you know, everybody knew about it, and like you know, in the grand scheme of things, it was like, oh, I was of college age, and it was, it's it's embarrassing, but not super embarrassing. But yeah, I mean. And that, and that that's just a that's just like a regular guy being able to like find images of you like and, and I, I wouldn't necessarily discount the abilities of teenagers um, uh, if there is some teenager who is uh, li- snuck in and listened to this podcast um, I'm sure that they're they're like they're like I I, I know that they uh, they probably know how to uh, you know do a lot of these things on the internet in terms of uh, hacking and I'm searching that they're like oh that, uh, um, that we don't even know about. That um that they're potentially um an, an area of uh, your your child being cyberbullied in the future, um, mm. of uh, if if those images if there's any images out there um mm-hmm. now once again that's probably a low risk and how much cyberbullying can really like you know if there's a picture of for example like my daughter on the swings like how much is she really gonna get cyberbullied over that right so that maybe the right. risk risk for something like that is pretty low and it's like okay like. I can take that risk because I really want to share with my community this picture of my daughter on the swings, you know, and it's one picture and maybe she's and like, and she's not really going to get cyber bullied over a picture like that. But, you know, um, other images, you just have to sort of try and work through the decision tree of how they can just be out there and um, potentially accessible by individuals. I'm curious, did that artist obtain permission from your parents to post that um on his website uh that's a good question uh i don't know and i i asked because so i had i had an experience that when my son was born i you know wanted to get some pictures of the three of us as a family my son and my husband and i and j- just because you know how it is when you have a newborn, you're just, you're so busy doing things. And any, anytime the three of you are together with somebody else in the room, you're not necessarily photo ready. And I, I just wanted some nice pictures to capture that moment in time. So I, I did some research and I hired uh, an experienced professional newborn photographer and we, we had scheduled the time etc you know put down the down payment and I was looking through the contract and I would just really encourage parents if this is something that you want to be you know careful about and knowledgeable about just make sure that you're doing things like looking through the contracts in any kind of engagement because what I what I found was that she had um, full 
ownership to post the pictures on her website and any kind of marketing materials that she wanted to use. And it was just, it was a standard clause in the contract. And I asked if she would be open to changing the the terms, uh, explaining that that's not, you know, my husband and I aren't interested in having our kid on the um, her website or any marketing t- materials or our family in general. And she, she obliged, but she gave me the impression that no parent or no client had ever asked her that before. And I just found that fascinating. Yeah. And good on you for actually reading uh, the, the actual contract terms of something you're signing. I know that uh, my wife gets annoyed with me because uh, she's like, just sign it. You don't have to read the, all those pages of documents. I mean, if it's our mortgage, she's happy for for me to to, to go through all those pages. But if it's, <laughs> you know, if it, if we're just like authorizing Jiffy Lube to like you know change like our oil, she's like, you don't really need to spend time reading that. Um, but no, I mean, like uh, the other the other place where that happens a lot and where parents aren't um, certainly, uh, yeah, that that's one that I've I've heard of um, is in terms of uh, taking pictures uh, for you know for um, an informal setting. The other one is if uh, your kid's attending camps or um, some sort of um, sporting event, um, it, it, you don't, you might not realize it, or um, hopefully it's a standalone form. But a lot of times you're consenting away for your child's image to be used in marketing, um, and you don't even know that your kid's picture is being taken. So uh, that they'll, you know, they'll go to like a, some sort of uh, kids' day camp, and you don't. Part of the form, one of the forms you signed was that your kid can be used in marketing and all of a sudden your kid's ending up in uh, brochures. Right. Which is, is seemingly harmless, but just back to the original point, if you want, if you want to, if you want more control over where and how your child's images are used, you just need to be more aware of the different ways that they are being used. Right. Right. And I think that there's, I, and I don't want anyone to take the impression that I, there's anything necessarily wrong with posting pictures of your kid on social media. I think there's lots of good reasons to, you know, again, um, I've heard some of your other podcasts and it can help promote your cause um, and your child's cause and give them a voice at times. Um, mm-hmm. I think um, there's also like, you know, like, okay, well, I don't care if my kid ends up in the local YMCA pamphlet. Like that's, in fact, I think that's kind of cute. Like, that's fine, but like I think the important thing about this conversation is that parents understand the risk and they're making those decisions rather than just sort of operating blindly. I have uh, an experience from my childhood to share as a part of this. And to be honest, I don't actually remember if it was me or my sister, but you know how things kind of blur together when you're younger. Um, anyway, there was, um, we received a phone call to the house back when there were landlines and the caller identified himself as somebody with the health department and said that he was taking a survey, uh, you know, after having identified who was, who was speaking, proceeded to ask really uh, inappropriate questions. I distinctly remember one being, do you have pubic hair? And it, you know, mm. it was, it, you, we went through the call and after the conversation, you know, hung up 
thinking it was somebody with the health department, but being disturbed enough to say something to my parents, who then called the police and the police came. And this was what they said was this was something that they were seeing. It was a trend they were seeing. And this person was uh, picking pictures of children out of the local newspaper for, you know, whatever sports or academic or whatever you were in the paper for, uh, identifying the child's address and phone number and calling them and asking these really inappropriate questions. And you can only imagine, you know, what, what he was doing with that information or why he was asking those questions. But I, I just, I bring that up because it's still a memory that just makes me really sick to my stomach. But again, that those were harmless photos. I mean, you know, in, in a, in a school play, playing soccer, playing t-ball, whatever the case may be. And it, it, my point being, anytime there's an image of your child out there, you're opening yourself up to risk. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I'm sorry that you had that experience. Um, I'm sure that it's not, um, it wasn't easy and um, that's, that's difficult. Um, and that's, I think that, that I agree with your overall point in, in your story and that there, there's not going to be a situation in which your child is not exposed to some risk. Um, I think it's just about thinking through and trying to minimize or manage the risk. How has all of the knowledge that you have directly impacted decisions that you make as a parent? Yeah, so um, sort of um, convince my wife that what we we're going to do is we we do not share any um, images of our um, child via social media. Um, I just think that there's too many avenues for um, exploitation. And I also think that um, it's um, I, I want it to be her decision um, someday whenever she's uh, old enough to, I guess uh, their their decision now that I have to um, their decision to um, make um, when they want to what in what images they want to be available. I mean, I could see like down the road that like my daughters will be angry with me. Be like, Oh, there's all these like cute pictures that like now I have to post on social media. Cause you never got around to doing it, <laughs> you know, but you know, it'll be the, it'll be their decision. Um, we do take the risk um, and there's a risk in it, but we do um, share our images uh, via um, with uh, like a, our family via a, a cloud, um, via um, an Apple, uh, I, like iCloud. So mm-hmm. that there is some risk in that. And um, we've decided, we've talked it through and we've decided to take that risk. And we're, we're, we're cognizant of which pictures we put on there. Um, but um, we, we have decided that we, we want to still have the experience of being able to share those pictures. And I do send pictures of my, my daughter uh, via email, um, or via text messages to friends and family. Um, but, um, yeah, we've overall decided not to um, share that, uh, information via social media. And we've also, I think I've already got into it, but we also don't share any, uh, private information like uh, date of birth and our, our social security number. Yeah, my, my husband and I have taken a similar 
stance with some different nuances involved in that. But what's difficult for me is that my son is just my pride and joy. I could not be more proud of anything in my life. And it's it's uh, difficult to make a decision not to share that piece of your life with your friends and your family in a on a platform that's so easily accessible. It's hard. You know, I, I and especially when you see pictures of other people's kids and I get I get so much joy from that. You know, it's it's difficult for me to not reciprocate and and share that kind of information. Uh, but to your point, we've just the risks involved in it outweigh any kind of joy you know, you know I would I would receive from sharing those images. Yeah, yeah, no, I get that. And yeah, I mean it's and I, I there's fellow attorney like and it's it's each individual's parent's decision and I don't judge or um, any parent who makes that decision. I mean there there's um, other attorneys I know who know the same information that I know and still make the decision that they're going to post their pictures of their kids because, you know, that that's, you know, that's the best part of their life. You know, it's the best part of my life. It's the best part of their life. So they like to post it. Um, I think uh, some, another potential tip that you can do besides being careful about which images you post is maybe every once in a while, take those pictures down, you know, mm. like, you know, you, you know, you're, there's like the exploitation factor, certainly of if it's out there one day, it's out there forever. But, you know, your risk curve goes down if you're like, hey, I'm going to put a like a, you know, a, a 60 day clock on this picture. Um, I'm going to, or like, or, you know, just like whenever your spring cleaning is like, maybe that's whenever you also clean up your social media and be like, I'm going to take a, down like 90% of the pictures of my kids or all the pictures of my kids um, up to this point. Um, yeah, that, that way it's like, it's not hanging, like it's hanging out there forever. So I think if you are going to make the decision, maybe think through it too about like, Hey, maybe I could, um, every once in a while, just do like a purging of my social media and take down a bunch of pictures of my kids. Yeah. I, I like, I, I like that tip. That's a, a good concept. And I, I like the options in it, right? So you, you can find what works best for you and your family and your children. I think the most important part of this entire conversation is just to be informed and be knowledgeable and and know the risks um, and, and weigh those with the rewards because there are rewards. Yeah, no, absolutely. And um, there's other ways too. Like um, some of the things we do is like we will sometimes like post like little stories about um, our daughters, um, you know, like, Hey, you know, she, she did this really cute thing today, which once again, there's a risk in that. Cause now people know that we have a daughter, but you know, if, um, but sometimes it's, we, we think it's sort of worth it to post like, you know, words about, about our, our daughter. So that's, that's another way to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great tip. Mr. DeFabo, we are approaching the end of our time together. Is there anything you wanted to mention or talk about that we haven't already discussed? Uh, I think um, the last thing is just that if uh, 
you ever get the sort of like like you ever become aware of this or you ever become sus- like suspicious of somebody and have some good evidence um go to your local law enforcement and report it um it's it can be difficult to um to id things but it's always better to be on the safe side rather than um than uh be on the side of like well maybe maybe I, maybe i'm wrong type of thing sure uh, it, it's honestly that's when i work uh, as my time doing um uh, you know, criminal justice, like that's sometimes the way that like some of these individuals were caught. Um, some of them were are caught through uh, the forensic means that, that the police have, but uh, some of them were caught by uh, friends and family who thought that they weren't, you know, they weren't doing the right thing. And, you know, this individual needed to be turned in. Thank you for sharing that. Really appreciate you coming on the show today and sharing all of your experience and expertise. Again, I know it was a bit of a, a different direction than we typically take, but I, I just think it's such an important conversation and am very thankful. Uh, you're welcome. Thanks for having me on. And to all of our listeners, thank you for joining today. I hope you learned something new or are, are thinking about sharing images of your children in, in different ways. I do invite you to tune in again next week for another insightful conversation. And if you haven't already done so, please be sure to subscribe, rate, and review. See you next time.